Hey, this is John Reap from the Country-ish Podcast on the All Things Comedy Network. No sports? No problem. My bookie offers the latest and most popular sport game titles and state-of-the-art software. No need to leave the comfort of your home. It's all at your fingertips. Featuring a truly flawless live casino, complete with professional dealers, as well as a large selection of classic and progressive slots games, plus the greatest selection of video poker variants. They really do offer something for everyone. Take advantage of their daily promotions for the casino, which includes bonuses, cash backs, raffles, free chips, and free spins for you to increase your chances of winning every single day. Also, you can put your skills to the test in their latest free blackjack and slots tournaments, which includes a free 10K prize pool blackjack tournament. Stuck at home? Don't even sweat it. They got you covered. Join now and start winning big today. Sick and tired of getting the runaround when you ask for a payout? My bookie pays fast when you win. With decades of experience, great customer service, and hassle-free transactions, why would you bet anywhere else? Visit mybookie.ag and use the promo code ATCCASINO for a 150% bonus on your first deposit. Bet with the biggest, win with the best, only at my bookie. Till the tears run down from my eyes, Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody, can anybody find me? Somebody to love. Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Don't try to run, don't try to hide. You're still your car without thinking twice. Stop the party, hide your shit. Believe this is the hell to die. Whoa! The What's Up Fool podcast with Felipe Esparza and Rodrigo Torres. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. He's right here wearing his black T-shirt, man, wearing his cheekbones, <laughs> wearing his hair so hair, hair lotion. Was it Tres Flores? No, nah, man. He's better than Tres Flores now. <laughs> he's better than Briantina. He's better than Jockey Club. What are you wearing on your hair? Uh, I've been wearing for days. Stop. We don't sponsor them. <laughs> we don't sponsor them. We can't even mention them. Now, nah, but what do you get? You, you get it with a lot of beardos get it? Yeah, yeah. All that stuff. When this stuff started to come out like five years ago, six years ago. It's weird. Before, like, like I've always had my long hair, but all of a sudden, man, everybody has, everybody who's fat decided, you know, I'm not going to work out. I'm going to just grow a beard and cover up all the fat on my face. That's how you cover and, up double chins, dog. <laughs> remember, like, Big Pun? <laughs> Always, the dog. rappers they used to have that little uh, that little line, and they used to redefine where their new face starts. The little chin strap beard, jawline, jaw <laughs> yes, jawline, man. Yeah, or, or like start wearing black t shirt with bright colors. <laughs> Look a little thinner. Dog. How was your weekend? It was good, dude. Chilling, did some spots, dude. Creeping around. That's about it, dog. But what's up with you, dog? You're uh, in New York City. I was in New York City, bro. Let me tell you what happened, man. April I got Fools, dog. April Fools. <laughs> um. Tracy Morgan looking healthy, you know. Awesome, dude. One leg feels heavier because of the settlement. <laughs> now, <laughs> now all that money. He was though. looking good, and he's. I, I met him right away. 
He introduced me. He, he messed up my name, first of all. He, said, he asked me 10 times, how do, you, how do you say your name? How do you say, hey, man, I want to mess up your name. How do you say your name? I don't know. I can't imitate him. How do you say your name? No, no. It was more, it was more like, <laughs> you're the future, whatever. So he said, he brought me up as, ladies and gentlemen, this guy just won last comic standing. Give it up for Ezra. Ezra. <laughs> Ezra. Ezra. Like that, that. like that? Fool, everybody just like, shh, quiet, bro. I went uh-huh. up there, grabbed the microphone. That fool was limping away. I said, give it up for Kevin Hart. Fool, the crowd <laughs> died, man. They lost it. Got him back, fool. Awesome, dude. After that, man, you know, I had to do it 10 minutes. <laughs> I do 10 minutes in my sleep. <laughs> I could stutter 10 minutes of jokes. Hell yeah, dog. So I did How the 10 minutes. I went, Killer? I, I gave him an extra 12. <laughs> So I did 12 minutes, and I got off the stage, and he goes, go back here, go back here, man. How do you say your name? (laughs) (laughs) Felipe Esparza. He goes, goes, nah, man, you're the future. He just said, "Um, you're the future. So he brought me up as the future. And um, Lisa told me that he felt really bad for messing up my name. He kept talking about it. it. Ezra, Felipe Ezra. How do you say it? How do you say it? So then... um, he said, he didn't know why they were laughing afterwards, right? Why are they laughing? Oh, man, he just said, give it up for Kevin Hart. Oh, see, man, he got tools. <laughs> you know how to, he got tools. See, he's a future. A lot of fools would have been mad, huh? Oh, yeah, just to stray away from their act, huh? How would Willie Barsena act, bro? He'd try to headbutt somebody, though. <laughs> and he would have said, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Willie Cardena. Uh-huh. Hey, bro, what's going on here, bro? <laughs> Probably get crazy, dog. Come on. All right, let me get to the shout-outs, man. Hell before yeah. we people, people start turning off the podcast. Make it up, man. Tony Perez listens to both podcasts in his drive from San Diego to Rancho Cucamonga to visit his side chick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll scratch that out, but, you know, we're just trying to get laughs. Um, <laughs> Los Digits from Twitter who listens every week. That's Los Digits. Marisol Montes listens to both podcasts and... I don't know what happened, but she got her her Instagram um, deleted. Like somebody reported her? But you know me, man. I be nosy, bro. I be finding out what <laughs> happened. And it was like an Instagram fight. Between her and somebody? Her and some hater. I don't know what all the Instagram fight about. But they're throwing out pictures at each other. How you, how, how you used to look. No, how you used to look. <laughs> how you really look. You know, like a, it's, like a, it's like a fight that, you, that you, you could only have with somebody who really knows you. But I didn't get the fight. I don't really know what's going on. Uh-huh. Whatever, man. Hope you get your pot. I hope you get your Instagram back, and things go back to normal. Um, <laughs> too much information. Oh well, you have for a shout out. There it is. Jose San Antonio Barrios from the Barrio listens to both podcasts. Happy birthday, bro! It's not every day you're seventeen. George from what? I never heard of this. Orsi. Yeah. Give it up for George from Orsi, California. He listens to it on iTunes and reviews it. Okay, everybody, this is the important part. <laughs> I'm going to need everybody to right now grab the next person next to you and make them download the podcast right now. <laughs> and subscribe. And subscribe. Or, or when you have, if you, you are partying with friends and somebody um, goes to the bathroom, while they're in the bathroom, go to their iTunes and subscribe to the What's Up Food podcast. It's really helping us get, get, get um, rated. Last week, we were number 59 Hell yeah, out of a lot of podcasts. Grip of them, and thousands. We beat a lot of people who think they're bad, bro. 
office. Not even trying, though. Yeah, man. People just show up and, you know, yeah, um, we're just trying to talk about, you know, and we, I, I, I had great coffee today. Oh, yeah. It's great coffee at that spot. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, my nanny came over. And we fixed. <laughs> so said nanny. Well, I listened to this podcast about these two ladies talk about taking care of kids, and they both have nannies. <laughs> I mean, if I had a nanny, sh- I can do anything. I huh? would have still been with my kids right now. <laughs> I mean, how can you really say you are the best way to raise a family, you know, is to. But, you know, some people are just too busy but need a nanny. But I wouldn't have a podcast about parenting if you have a nanny. <laughs> you should have her on the show. But you're like, 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 were you into skateboarding when you were a kid? I was more into BMX and shit, but I mean, I was around skaters and You're shit. Too big to skateboard, huh? Oh yeah, dude, I wasn't a fucking uh, a skater, dude. I was just You're a uh, break dancer. I started out nah, break dancing. Nah, not break dancing, dude. I Watching break, break dancing. Are you know? serious? Yeah, man, I had no moves, but I used to steal white gloves from Sears for everybody. <laughs> Pop blocking. I was. Uh, I used to sell merch for break dancers. <laughs> I just saw Justice. bandanas, baggy. I mean, I, I take it old school break dancing, bro. We used to wear genie pants <laughs> and scarves on your legs, legs warmers, and go to Venice Beach and get and then get jacked by Venice Shoreline Crips. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> or suicidal Tennessee. <laughs> so I just my brother used to skateboard and hang out with Chaka from because we used to live in Aliso Village. They were skaters. They were they were fake skaters, bro. <laughs> Man, I, they were skating, bro. When, they, when I started out skating, bro, it was sad because some people didn't have real skateboards. And they used to make their own skateboard, man. It's one guy. He used to skate. He had a skateboard, but his wheels were the wheels from the from the couch, bro. He <laughs> <laughs> so get him on the trucks, dude. He used to skateboard with, wheel, with couch wheels, bro. <laughs> if we used to Arlie and then take a, and then the, his skateboard turned into a, 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 a lazy boy. <laughs> <laughs> so my bro I was never a good skater you know but all, you know all the dirty kids were the best skaters dude oh dude cause they had to like they knew they knew how to fix their skateboards and then so when I started went to Al Serena Junior High School I met a lot of guys who were skating a lot of break dancers and then I went back to Roosevelt and I started hanging around with the kids that didn't want to be cholos you know uh-huh. there was like a group of kids that used to hang around together you know like it was like maybe like a bunch of Latinos one white guy who got transferred from North Hollywood, <laughs> and then a couple, of, time, a couple huh? of Asian kids. But we used to all skateboard, but we never bought skateboards. We used to get our skateboards from Montebello. We used to wait for little rich kids to buy them. Then when they when they're in the alley practice, practicing tricks, what's up, bro? Give me that Christian Hosoy. Give me that vision board. <laughs> that vision. <laughs> Give me that Paul Peralta. <laughs> Fool, I had. I, 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 it was the one time where I had like ten skateboards. <laughs> But there were no skateboard shops in my neighborhood. I was the skateboard shop. <laughs> and if you wanted a vision board, bro, a Christian Josoy, or a Steve Caballero, <laughs> let me see I what I can all do. All the names, bro. Because I do this. I should do it. I do it now. It's a bit. I said, man, when you mix a Latino woman, or a, a, when you mix a white girl with a Latino man, that kid is born. It's gonna be the best skater in the whole wide world. <laughs> you just made because the best skaters are mixed kids. You got Caballeros. <laughs> So I would do that bit. So that was my my the way I got in. And I used to watch a lot of skateboard a lot of skateboard videos. Um, remember that song "Skate and Destroy"? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of um, demos. And um, but I was never I can never ollie. I'm too fat. 
You know, I never got to do no tricks. I could never do anything. But down the 4th Street and 6th Street Bridge, I used to go down the hill. Uh, on the skateboard? Standing up, fool. <laughs> That was my, that was my claim to fame. I was more like a long bo- long downhill rider than tricks, because you know, man, you gotta get the now you get before you know. I just didn't want to get hurt, man. Oh well, that's the thing. You can't have no fear doing that. Dude. Plus, a lot of the people in my neighborhood weren't great. You know, they were not great. You know, and um, a lot of them gave up after a while. And but I continued to get skateboard for people. <laughs> Felipe skate shop, skate shop, bro. So. Actually, our guest this week, we met him right, briefly. Uh, yeah, at uh, Humphreys by the Bay. Humphreys by the Bay. You were check- he was checking huh? in in 2010 or somewhere, I you know. Yeah, checking in the hotel right there. Or maybe, I don't know. And uh, you, you rolled up. It was, was you and your wife. <laughs> and we just went out. I was like, dude, I'm all, hey, man, are you Christian Hazoy? And Because I recognize your face. He's like, yeah, dude, and you're super cool. Took a picture with us. And I don't. the manager kept in contact with them, right? No, we took a picture with him real quick. And then we went to our room. That was the night, the night before we did a, a show there for the last comic standing. Yeah, dude. And if you guys don't know this place, it's like the, one of the best places to have a concert with kids because they could be playing, watching TV, and you could go in the lobby or on your roof and, and you watch, watch a show. the whole show. By the way, I'll, I'll be performing there this summer. <laughs> July 15th, Humphrey by the Bay. Damn. If you can't get tickets, get a boat. <laughs> <laughs> what town is that in? San Diego. San Diego. Ah, oh, okay. You don't even remember. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know, oh, the song's said. made up. <laughs> I know, huh? <laughs> no, it was a trip, man. It was tight. <laughs> oh, another time, your name, somebody name dropped you, bro, and and, and of course, I should have, I should have said, no, this guy's bullshitting. He hanging out with Kristen Hosoy at a drum circle, you know? <laughs> oh, dog! <laughs> There's a guy, Kristen Hosoy. Was name, it in Albuquerque? No, it was. Close. It was in Venice by Marina Del Rey, by by um by that um Cow's End Cafe. There was a guy with a bottle of water full of vodka, and he said he was a drummer of um the Butthole Surfers. That fully psyched you out. Um, King, Coffee. King Coffee. All right. But and then I said I took a picture with him. <laughs> it was my first wedding day. I had just got married. We spent our wedding night down the street by the beach, and we were walking. You know. Then this guy showed up and goes, yeah, man, I'm da 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 And then he mentioned Butthole Surfer. Yeah, man, I know, yeah. You know, German Butthole Surfer. Yeah, man, I am, I am, bro. So we started talking. He wanted weed. I didn't have any, <laughs> of course. Then he goes, yeah, so where are you, where are you going right now, man? I'm going to go hang out over there at um down the street with Steve, Steve, um, Jane Day dropping, Kristen Hosoy. <laughs> We're going to be at the drum circle smoking a big doobie. And Wait, I said, what, what, what year was this? That was 2000. Two years ago, two right? Two years ago. <laughs> yeah, because I two knew years that ago. was sober, dude. And I really, I believed him. <laughs> I knew that he, he's That's sober taken, and man. his life's changed. But I, I knew, I said, wait a minute. I said, wait a minute, Christian. So I still hang around with losers, you know. <laughs> just, to, just to, you know, a little taste of what, what could happen. You know, what's down the street, trials and tribulations over here. But nah, so I, be- I didn't be- really believe them. I thought maybe he's going to, I thought maybe Stephen Hosoy was going to, Christian Hosoy was going to be there. Uh-huh. Anyways, I, th- I don't know why it was a drum circle. <laughs> Waiting for the family. But I thought, okay, he'll be at the drum circle. But then he's mentioned these other names, these other skaters. I got excited, bro. I'm going to go over there. <laughs> then I started talking to people. Then I saw him again. I thought you were going to go hang out with Christian Hosoy, you liar. He goes, nah, bro. He laughed, man. And <laughs> he laughed. <laughs> so, long story short, that's not King Coffee, the drummer of. 
of butthole surfer. He scams a lot of people. Ah, he's, he's a real impersonator. King. He's an imposter. Yeah, imposter. The real King Coffee hit you up, right? That's yeah, how you real, found the out. The real King Coffee said, "That's not me, bro. <laughs> I do. I I've died twice already." <laughs> so, so were you the leader of your pack when you skated back in the day with all those boards? No, man. I, I was in the back last. <laughs> I couldn't keep up. But I mean, you know, were you kind of like running your crew, or were you just one of the bunch? Because you seem oh, you seem like a leader. I was one of the bunch, but um, I was in charge of merch, <laughs> merchandise. I was like, I knew who wanted what, <laughs> who wanted what. Like there was a time when somebody, there was people in my neighborhood. They they stole a bunch of um a drum set, a whole drum set. And there were these crackheads. They broke into the warehouse. That's when the neighborhood was changing. People were moving into the warehouses, like lofts. I didn't know what a loft was. And they bought those drums, and they wanted six. I bought the whole drum set for $60. Damn. The next day, stole it for two fifty. <laughs> <laughs> what What year was this? Oh, it was like 1991. Wow. Pearl drums. <laughs> the best this other the guy best. was trying to rob so me. You're like 30 years old no, right now. I'm 47. <laughs> wow, you're my age. You're, I'm your age, bro. And I still look up to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're. T- we're the same age, man. Ah, uh, uh, dude. We're close. I'm still older than you. I'm, I'm gonna be 49 this year, but I'm it, actually it's... 38 on on, on IMDb. <laughs> on IMDb, it says Felipe Esparza born June 11, 1976, and um. Sinaloa, Mexico. <laughs> right on. Well, I'm honored to be here. Oh, I'm man. stoked you guys called me in. I mean, this is oh, we're this stoked, is a treat. Yeah. I've uh, through my wife. You know, she was telling me about you know your stand up and all that, and I checked it out, and I was cracking oh, up. Thank you. Yeah, because you know Venice back in the day, like you said, the whole baggy pants, the break dancing, the hacky sack, all that stuff. We'd be down there, me, Jay Adams, and we'd be skating around. Just terrorizing the beach back then, and yeah, Shoreline Crips were down there running the show, <laughs> you know, regulating the beach. Then the Venice, you know, all the the kids that you know, the Mexican kids that didn't want to get in gangs were skateboarding <laughs> and surfing, doing the whole Mexican skateboarding and surfing association, and uh, we had a we had a blast back then. It was fun time, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. It was a good time to be a kid. Because even if you even if you didn't live in that area, you showed up there from the projects. Because I wasn't even the projects, and I, was, and I was like an hour and a half away. But I got on that thirty three bus, and I made it there. And just check out the action, really yeah. cracking over there. And also, a, a skateboarder showed up to my elementary school when I was a kid. When I was, back in nineteen eighty one, to do demos or what? Yeah, they did a demo there, and I remember um, they showed up. It was, there were white kids. I don't know. Could have been you. <laughs> And, uh, 81, I was still amateur. I turned pro in 82. And so that was when I started breaking out, 81, 82. Who'd you start off with? Who was your first team? I started with Z-Flex. Jay Adams took me under his wing and took me over to his spot and just got me fully zooted out with uh, like Z-Flex product. Then Alva put me on his team, Tony Alva. And then Stacy Peralta saw me, and he's like, Christian, you need to ride for the Bones Brigade. And that's when I Blew got up, spotted huh? for Bones Brigade. But I was still amateur, and I was only 12 years old. Then I won the biggest amateur contest in 1980. And then I said, I want to turn pro. And Stacy was like, no, you're not ready. And so I quit, and I went to go ride for Dogtown. And Dogtown, 
he's like, Christian, you don't want to do that. And I'm like, no, it's going to be awesome. Wes Humpston, you know, all my heroes, Shogo Kubo were on Dogtown and I went and they went out of business. And I was like, what's next? And Tom Sims, I don't know if you remember Sims. Yeah. But Tom Sims approached me and he's like, Christian, I want to talk to you about getting on Sims. And I was like, wow, Brad Bowman, Doug DeMont, all these guys that I looked up to. And uh, I went there and then he sold the license, his name to somebody else. And so it ended up being about two years before I actually turned pro, like if I were to stay on the Bones Brigade. But uh, I ended up getting my first model from Sims. And that was that Rising Sun board. I remember that board. Bro, I, I used to have Dogtown gear too, man. Oh, hell yeah. If you wanted yeah. some. <laughs> <laughs> But I that, used to write Dogtown on my, on my, on my, on my, I was like a poser, bro. Cause well, I really that, couldn't, I had to, I had, I really couldn't skateboard, but I wanted to be part of the scene. But that's what all the kids did though. The logos were so important. You always remember that. I had the haircut though. Yeah, dude. I think that separated you when you started drawing and you started <laughs> doing the, you know, having the board back then. It wasn't like it is now. Now everybody thinks they're cool, you know, just because they kind of can Google it and know about it. But back then, it's like you really had to know your cultures, and that's what was rad about back then. I know, man. Back then, if you had a if you had a if you had a video recorder, you were god. You oh, could just yeah, make yeah. your own bootleg tape. <laughs> totally, yeah, just like I don't VHS. even think we videoed ever. Like back in the day, we'd go skateboard, we'd go to events and contests and demos, and we weren't thinking, okay, we should video this. Like now, kids walk down the street and they're videoing themselves. Or back then, we didn't really think about it. Then the magazines would come out and be like, oh, well, let's shoot your photo. And we'd be like, all right, cool. But really, it wasn't on our radar that we should document this stuff. I know, man. Back in the days, man, people people wouldn't want to watch um Christian Hosoy falling on his, and hitting his head. They would have probably just stopped watching already. <laughs> Now you get 100 million views just by falling. Oh, like, yeah, dude. I, I could fall. <laughs> <laughs> That's why, man, like, I always thought the, the skateboarders there were like gods because there was no, there was never no video out there of them messing up. Everything always looked perfect. If, if I would have saw them actually practice, I probably would not have been into it. It just, dude, it looks, it's unbelievable, dude. If you really look at it, dude. A skater in Riverside, too. A grip, dude. Fools used to have their own uh, ramps in the back and shit. All types of shit, dude. Ramp, yeah. a lot of vert back then, you know, before uh, street. Yeah, Upland Skate Park, right? Oh, Pipeline. totally. Yeah, that's, that's a, a right old school spot right there. Still there. Then Colton, all those parks back then, those were the heavy spots. Inland Empire, come on. I, it, was, it was a lot of uh, battle between the inland guys and then the... You know, the West Side guys, it was always kind of like the Badlanders against the Dogtowners. And there was kind of like a cool clash back then because punk rock came in in probably the late 70s. And then that's when skateboarding took on this harder edge. It was not your surf-like style anymore. It became punk, rebellious. Oh, yeah. Had attitude. It was all about, you know, draining pools, just localizing and, you know... I think that that element of the skateboard culture is what today everybody's like kind of so attracted to, you know, and, and it's, it's kind of like a lifestyle more so than a sport because people, you know, now they see it as a sport because you got the X games, you got all these street leagues and all these things where they can go and now they're going to be in the Olympics coming up, you know, pretty soon. But back then it was like, we were outlaws. 
You guys were all just yeah. pretty much just grimy. There was a whole yeah. scene that was just going on. And nobody was really documenting. Like you were saying, if people had video cameras, you guys were just doing that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then uh, with the whole punk scene, too, like you, Dwayne Peters, all those guys, you know, created that culture, as you say. Opposed to like, you know, people look at it and go, how the fuck do you get into it? Or like, dude, that's so fucking cool. Now it's more clean cut, you know, polished up and all that shit. Yeah. I mean, there's millions of dollars in it now. We're back then. We're like, oh, we're going to get paid too. This is sick. You know what I mean? We weren't really thinking. I mean, I dreamt about it. I envisioned that skateboarding would be a, like we would make millions of dollars one day. But back then we were happy to make a thousand bucks for first place and travel, you know, all over the world doing you know, what we love to do. So right. to get paid was just like a bonus. You know, we were like, this is, I mean, I'm sure it's like that for you. Yeah. You're like, I get to come up here and talk smack to people <laughs> and talk about people and the culture. And, and well, well, look at it this way I mean, the- to me, that's like a dream, you know, that's like a dream come true. Yeah, and that was all small with, you know, started like in 81. You started getting the covers of like Thrasher Magazine and all that. You guys were going all the way to San Leandro doing those small little ramp competitions and stuff. And if you look back when you guys were doing Que Locos before it was getting on TV and all that shit, you know, that was underground shit. Now, you know, you, Gabriel, you guys still represent the old school shit, but you guys are still fucking, you know, fudging around with the fucking torch, you know? Nobody yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Keep it a, coming. Yeah, I just got a message here. Gonzalez Pool. Yeah, there was a pool called Gonzo's Pool where it was like iconic. And today it just got bulldozed a few no years way. ago. Where was that at? It was right in like Mar Vista, right next to Damn. Venice. Abandoned? But it was where Tony Alva, Jay, all those guys had their, you know, amazing photos. And so for 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 us, that was the elite, you know. And for even today, kind of like the uh, comedians that you look at as yeah. the elite. It's kind of like how we look at certain things as being the elite of the elite. But I tell you. I like somebody burning down the comedy store. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot, Is this the place where everybody hung out and the guy had cancer, like in a movie? Or a different place? No, that was the dog bowl. That was in Did the you movie. you perform there too? No, I was too young. I came in right after that. And uh, so that was like on the t- – that's when the skate park started. Marina Del Rey Skate Park opened where my father became the manager. And that's how I, I really became – You know, it, it was my life. And I did it every single day and hung out with Jay Adams, Shogo. Those guys took me under their wing and just raised me basically as their younger brother. And that's how I really became you know, who I am today really. You travel all over the world? Travel all over the world. I mean – I don't know how many times, and uh, I'm still not dead. You know, I didn't die, didn't kill nobody, but, you know, you would think, <laughs> you know, living that crazy life that I used to live back in the 80s and the mid-90s, it was it was out of hand. But, um, you know, back then, we were just trying to push the bar. I was trying to break records. I was trying to, you know... Be on the cover of magazines. You know what it's like. I mean, now it's about, you know, making yourself known, being now, a, an entertainer. I was being an entertainer through not only skateboarding, but through my lifestyle. And I think that there's something, you know, to that. And when people talk about my story today, you know, or see my documentary, read my book, it's like all about the fashion. It's all about the, you know, partying. It's all about girls. It's all about money, traveling. But um, back then, it was all about that, and uh, it really created this this uh, identity and image for kids to like 
look up to. I mean, you look at superstars and kids want to want to follow in those footsteps. And so it's kind of a big responsibility, you know what I mean, when you're influencing people. And so now today, I mean, obviously, you if you know my story, I ended up getting hooked on drugs and going to prison and ending up, you know, throwing it all away for a minute. But through that, I've turned it all around and now I'm 16 and a half years sober. I've got a family. Congratulations. I'm 40. I'm going to be 49 years old and I get to travel around skateboarding all over again. And it's now my occupation all over again. So, um, Did the drug start in the beginning? Was there a lot, a, a lot, of, a lot of drugs in skating or after parties or you just hung out with the wrong crowd? Because uh, usually for a comedian, it just happens. Like out of the southern, you're doing stand-up comedy. It's all fun and games. Then you get arrested or... <laughs> or you, or somehow your friends leave you, and you're hanging out with some new dudes. <laughs> and it's two days later. Or you're, or now like people are just like, like um, they get um groupies, man. We want to, hey man, here's some drugs. <laughs> people handing you packages. Yeah, yeah, I mean it gets like that. People give it to you for free. So you started young, but I started young. I was smoking weed at eight years old. I was doing. You know, How do you know if it's good at eight? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're taught, right? It yeah. happens. I guess I know the right dudes, but how do you know, man? Hey, man, you know what? I like uh, watching Popeye, but yesterday I smoked a joint. <laughs> it just felt like 10 Popeye commercials. I don't know how it feels when he eats a spinach. Oh, my God, man. <laughs> I smoked this joint, man. I almost wanted to go back to breastfeeding. You know? Well, well my like father, my father grew up going to art school, graduated with his master's degree, fine art, Berkeley, played music, We, you know, blues. Reggae. I've even seen Bob Marley twice. I saw him when I was seven and uh, 11. Awesome, and dude. I knew every word to every song. So smoking weed was just normal back then. I didn't think that it was unusual. I thought you were kind of like a moron if you didn't smoke weed at <laughs> 10 years old. Wow. And when I went to the skate park, <laughs> I was hanging out with my mentors. And those kids were Jay Adams and they were like 17. And I was smoking weed with them. I mean, even with my father, my father was just like, he was kind of like a big brother. He just watched over me, but it was allowed. We would just do whatever we wanted to do. And then, I mean, I got into doing acid mushrooms at 11, 12, doing cocaine at 14, completely addicted to it because all these, you know, friends of mine, all these girls, they hung out with all the coke dealers and we'd end up getting it all for free. So we were just basically doing a whole bunch of quaaludes. That's when methoquaaludes were happening. Man, quaaludes, and, I, didn't do, I didn't know about quaaludes to the, since I saw that movie, The Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> but then I there came a point where it started interfering with my competition. I stayed up all night one night doing coke, and I went to a contest, and I'm like, I got this. Doing rails I on got rails. This, right? <laughs> rails on rails. And I ended up getting like third place, and I was like, this ain't working for me, and I quit. And I said, I'm not going to do drugs anymore. I'm just going to smoke weed and drink beer. And, I, I <laughs> and on the weekends, I'll do, that. I'll do drugs. <laughs> Don't turn I it won't up, do though. it every day. <laughs> so weekend, that was huh? my idea of not doing I, drugs anymore. I, I just always have the best plans. <laughs> I'm going to lay on my plan, bro. I must go strictly to wine, yeah, dog. Yeah, bro, yeah. Never, you didn't even grow up drinking wine. My, my wife and I were talking about that. I remember that time you said, I'm not going to do wine no more. Chasing that buzz, dog. You know how sad it was for me one time, Christian, man. We were just talking about it in our podcast. I was so bummed out one day. You know how you normally, when you're sad, 
you write your your lady name. Oh, I miss Shauna, or I miss so and so. Fool, I wrote Xanax on that note <laughs> with a heart. <laughs> For real. <laughs> Just because you're out there, Xanax, you were missed. <laughs> how that's how, because I. So you said, um, um. So what happened? You went, um. I'm gonna just try doing just bud and yeah, beer, yeah. and that's when my I like started really dominating skateboarding, like every like contest. It was my goal to strive to invent maneuvers like Rocket Air, Christ Air, all these, you know, maneuvers that I invented, and then, you know, in my mid twenties. I ended up skateboarding kind of died 90s when street skating came in and it kind of like threw us for a loop because here we are number one we're the guys to now there's these guys flipping their boards and they're the popular kid and skateboarding contests are going in a whole different direction they're not arenas and big huge vert walls where we're flying 10 feet above them it's like going over and riding on a picnic bench and I was like (laughs) what happened? You know what I mean? But I got it. I got it. I was like, all right, I'm going to start a company, blah, blah, blah. But then I moved to Orange County, and I got introduced to crystal methamphetamine. Mm. And <laughs> that's when I was like, this stuff is the bomb. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, this is insane. We're, how come we don't have this in L.A.? You know? And so I quit everything else, and all I did was meth. And I did it from 93 all the way to 2000. And I did it every single day from 95 till 2000 to the point where I was just like staying up for days at a time, you know, having bench warrants for possession. X Games was in 95. They're like, Christian, you're coming. I'm like, yeah. And then I'd be in Hawaii. You were supposed to take out Tony Hawk. Yeah. It it was pitted for us to go up against each other. The thriller of Manila. (laughs) And I was just strung out and... You know, by the grace of God, you know, I didn't OD. And then I met my wife, Jennifer, like in 99, like the end of 98, 99. And I mean, short stories, we fell in love with each other at pretty much almost like first sight because we didn't leave each other. It's a little volatile because we were all on drugs and doing crystal meth and hanging out, doing what we were doing. Yeah, we met doing drugs together. Total. Bonnie and Clyde situation, and then I went to Hawaii. Did you guys ever do that? Did you guys ever do? Sorry, let me cut you off. Did you guys yeah. ever do that couple move where you go hang around with people you don't know just to get free drugs? <laughs> you know what? I'm sure we did that together a lot. We were a good team. We were a good team. We were a good team. When a couple party together, they know how to do it, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. especially man, I, was, I'm, I know. Respect that you guys stood together because sometimes, man, Bonnie and Clyde team don't last. Ah, oh, nah, it just lasts for that time. We were at a party one time, remember? <laughs> that, that couple showed up and that guy brought out a bottle of vodka and his wife brought out cups from her purse. I said, yep, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. The party And it didn't though. last. You know, she had a friend almost OD at her house and she's like, I'm quitting drugs, I'm going to church. And I was like, sweet, I'll go. You know, in church? <laughs> I was like, what? You know, church is good. I'm good. Dope's good. Skating's good. You know, me and her are good. You know, I just thought God was about being good. I didn't know that there was a spiritual aspect to it. I went with her. Nothing happened. Did drugs all the way there, all the way back. And, you know, it says, you know, in the Bible, it says bad character corrupts you know, good morals. And sure enough, I got her back into using. And I went to Hawaii. And she's like, like, you want to go with me? And she's like, yeah. And so... 
I brought her and then I got arrested. And, you know, I, I never grew up in church, never read a Bible. Name's Christian. Nicknamed Christ in 85. <laughs> Cover a magazine. Thrasher says Christ on there. And I invented a maneuver called the Christ Air in the 80s, mid-80s. Lived my life, you know, being called this. And no one ever talked to me about spiritual things, Jesus, prayer. I didn't know anybody who went to church. I, I don't think you knew anybody either, right? Or did you go to church? <laughs> I went to church, bro, but I still, you know, I, I, I waited for people outside. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I was raised Catholic, but I, like I, I said it previously in a, on the other podcast, I would go to church, but I wouldn't go inside. I would just get the flyer and wait outside. And then when everybody gets out, I just, as long as you have the flyer from the church, or the message that he said at the end, menudo right at 5 o'clock. <laughs> but I, I don't know how to, I would sit there as a kid. And I, I guess like, we went to church, we went to church on Sunday. I would sit there. Like, I don't know, man, that message didn't hit me. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't hit me till I started being a, a, a violent person. Then I would go to church. Oh, man, me motherfucker's talking about me. <laughs> did my mom tell him what I did yesterday? <laughs> And I started feeling too guilty. I said, man, church ain't for me. <laughs> it, it, it's funny because I didn't grow up in church. But when I went to prison, I ended up getting 70 months, you know, for a sentence. And in there, You were caught, right, in Hawaii? Uh, caught in Hawaii. Dealing or what? Just carrying a whole bunch on an airplane. Personal or to sell? Well, I was doing it for personal, but I had to carry a whole bunch to get personal. <laughs> <laughs> it's you just know? personal? Yeah, yeah. Well, you got caught. Man, because Hawaii was already a, was turning into a meth epidemic, huh? Yeah, it was an ice epidemic. Uh, that's right, it was ice. Yep, yep. And I remember, man, because uh, I knew a girl that lived there that booked me to do Hawaii, and she goes, Felipe, man, it's hot out here with meth. They just caught the the model for um, this Hawaiian tropic. She was bringing in meth in and out of her competitions. Mm hmm and then, of course, Dogman, the bounty hunter. <laughs> <laughs> he was busted for it back in the day. Yeah. And now he's busting people. But <laughs> the <laughs> which, is, which is, When did you, you know, feel like this get is, back. like, you know, when addicts hit that uh, rock bottom, when did you hit it? Like, when you felt like this is it, man. It was that first day when I got there. I was on the news, and I get into the prison. I'm walking in. And, and they're fear. like, what's up? Christian Soy, I got you bored when I was a kid. I was like, what are you here for? He's like, I'm here for murder. I was like, oh. I'm like, sick. You know, trying to play it off, you know, like. <laughs> So what, you know how long you're doing? He's like 140 years, double life sentence, and I was just like, "What am I doing here right now?" And it hit me right then, and I made my first phone call to Jennifer, and I was like, "Jen, I'm looking at 10 years," and she's like, "You Damn. know what? I love you. We just got to trust in God." And I was like, "I'm sitting there on the phone, and they're all sitting next to you, you know, on the phone, you know, how you're." Get your first phone call, in line and, and I'm like trying not to cry, you know, already, and I'm like, "Hey." <gasps> God, I, I need a lawyer. I need an attorney. I, I don't need God right now. You know what I mean? I thought you needed God when you were dying, Johnny, when you're on your deathbed, that you'd have a priest come in Johnny and Cochran. sprinkle water on you or something. I didn't know. I just thought that it was like that. And hopefully you've done more good than bad, and maybe you'll go to heaven. You know, I didn't know. It's funny you know? how God's so nice sometimes, how, huh? like, these fools always show up asking for shit when shit's down. <laughs> My but idea of God was like though. the Godfather, you know what I mean? <laughs> Watching you know, those types of movies, I didn't have anything to reflect or, 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 you know, draw from. And she just said, you just need to go get a Bible. And that day, first day, I went and got a Bible. 
And it was like... Really on toilet paper? Pretty much. I mean, the guy who gave me the, the Bible, because there wasn't one on the book stand, he was in jail for like five years already, and he was doing another five, and he was just in transit. And he's like, oh, you want to use my Bible? Uh, one of the veterans, you know, looked or like he's been there for a while, veterano, right? And um, I'm like, you don't need it? And he's like, no, I don't need it. It's cool. And I got it, and it's like all marked up, written in, underlines, all these things. And I was like, what is Notes, this? Notes, bro. I was like, what's these columns and numbers? I've never even opened one up. I've been in a million hotels. How many hotels have you been in? A lot of them, man. Okay. How many of them have you seen that Bible in that drawer? Every <laughs> single one of them about. The Gideon, bro. You right? Get, you get the last page right? to roll a weed. When there's no right? Papers. <laughs> I put my weed underneath it so the, the maids wouldn't take it. You know, that was my idea. But I... I sat there and opened it up and it was like, I opened it up and it was like, boom, the scales fell off my eyes like the first day. Cause right before I made a deal with God, I was like, you ever come to that place? You're like, Oh God, you don't, I'll do this for you. I won't do this ever again. Get me out of this situation. I made all those deals with them, but I meant it. I was like, I'll speak to kids. I'll tell kids not to do drugs again. I won't do drugs again. I'll, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just like, get me out. I, I want bail. I want bail. I want bail. Oh, man. I remember making and, deals like that too, man. Come on, man. I'm volunteering, man. I'll coach baseball league. <laughs> I'm telling you. And I went to the... To the uh, bail hearing, and they're like, danger to the community, threat to society, no bail. And I was like, damn, what happened to my deal, you know? But in my heart, I knew something changed because it says that if you search for God with your whole heart, you'll find him. And I really believe that in that moment, I had a desire to know who God was because I never had an idea. And so I spent the rest of that five years in prison studying, reading the word every single day. I didn't have a pastor. I didn't have a pre. I didn't have anybody telling me what the Bible meant. So my whole experience was just reading God's word. And so that's how I have my relationship with with God. And that's how I've come out. You know, obviously, I did like five years. And uh, we're at I did it in count like. Two years in San Bernardino County Jail. Waiting for a bed. <laughs> <laughs> a triple-decker bunk oh bed, God, by the way. Man. <laughs> I, I was locked up for warrants twice, and I saw the same Samoan checking me in. <laughs> right? And I asked this Samoan guy. He was, he was, he was about the same height. He goes, hey, bro, no, not to get in your business, because you're going to ask polite, because I don't want to know his business. But you, you were here in the last two years I was here. And you're always here. What's going on? Oh, yeah, man. They got me 15. I'm doing 15 or 25 life to life, but I'm I'm waiting for my bed, you know, waiting for for a for a chino to open up for a bed for me. So you, you I don't, so my wife we were talking about you could do five years in county jail waiting, huh? Well, I was a fed fed, so I was federal uh, time. Yeah, I was waiting for my sentencing, and I was like fighting my case. I was like, nah, I need to get like. Little, you know, less time, and I had all these attorneys rip me off. My dad sold his property in Hawaii and paid a lawyer, said that they were going to help me out, and really they couldn't do anything and took the money. And then we dealt with that for like four or five lawyers, attorneys. And then finally, I just got this guy who just said, oh, I'll do it. It's an easy case. And he was a hotshot attorney. And but it costs all. <laughs> he was like the cheapest and he got the most done because he believed in what was happening to me. The post-rehabilitation I was doing, scared straight programs. People were bringing their 
sheriffs because they used to skate back in the day. They were like, Christian, man, will you speak to our, to my church? And he'd bring his whole church into the chow, to the mess hall. And I'd speak to the church about my relationship with God and, you know, make right choices and stuff like that. And I had my address in the magazine and I had like hundreds of letters coming to the jail and all the magazines. And so I had, the judge sent all these character reference letters and my wife put it together. My wife, Jennifer put it together and it was just like 200 letters on character reference. And so the judge took all that into consideration and there's a downward departure called post rehabilitation and it's a huge point deduction. And so during that time there was no, uh, the, the actual defending attorneys could not, you know, submit these downward departures unless the district attorney approved of it. And the district attorney didn't like me because I didn't turn somebody in. I didn't, you know, cooperate with the government. So he was pissed. He was like, no, he's doing the whole 120 months. And he kept fighting that. And my attorney and him used to be uh, district attorneys together before. And now he's a defensive so they're battling it out in the courtroom and i'm sitting here he's yelling at the guy i'm like be cool on the guy this guy's <laughs> gonna hang me and you're like just trying to hang him but it was it was pretty you know amazing how god in it through the judge being but a also christian jennifer, judge also jennifer with those 200 letters man that, don't forget about those 200 letters <laughs> Hey, God, she, God helps those She didn't help write themselves. them on her own, by the way. She had to <laughs> gather those letters. You know, yeah. I got an email from somebody. Hey, Felipe, man, they're trying to give me life for delete. <laughs> <laughs> delete. Because I'm pretty sure you probably emailed the world, right? Because a lot of people don't want to get involved. Yeah, and that's the thing. They came out to support you, too, because those are character letters from people that knew you, right? Yeah, people who knew me and two hundred man. Jennifer went to loved. like the industry and really, I mean, I Musician, have to say, skaters, all I have the best that wife. Gator couldn't get you know. done. <laughs> she, she, you were locked up with a guy Gator, right? No, okay. he was somewhere else. Okay, but I got, we were. I think I crossed each we, other. He's state, oh, and he's I'm state. federal, so it's oh, two so different. You're Pelican Bay. Yeah. You are. <laughs> <laughs> you're up there. You're up there in in um. That prison I did a show at, bro. <laughs> Lompoc? Lompoc. Yeah, that's the type of the prison. The gated. Yeah, yeah. Was I, was, were... I was in uh, Las Vegas. I did mine at Nellis, and it was the one that, um, what's her name? I think uh, Barbara Walters did a, a special on it because they used to have a golf course, a tennis court, a swimming pool. And when she did the actual thing, boards. because it was for <laughs> fraudulent, you know, it's just camp status, fraud cases, and all these guys were just basically having like a resort. And when she did the whole thing, they took all that out. Oh, That's sad. Because right? I put my I put my form in for it, and I got it. And I was like, sick! <laughs> yeah. I was like, sick, and I went That's there, so and they had nothing. <laughs> Where was that at? Where was that at? It was on Vegas? the uh, Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas. And Because I, I did a show in, in Lompoc, and we were driving in. We took a whole tour of the Lompoc Federal Pen Penitentiary. But there was a side for, you know, for congressmen, you know, for people who stole billions but didn't kill nobody. Yeah. Michael Milken. There. Yeah. And they're like, no gate. They're playing softball. Maybe one guard was, was drinking iced tea, just watching them. And then, and then they could really, they could wander off like, like, like a regular person and ask the guard, what are those guys? You go, oh, they're just, they're just uh, white collar crimes. Minimum so they could just security. really walk away if they want. Yeah. But they walk away, they're going to be in a big prison. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't stand you there? No, I had no violent history Either. crimes. I, I didn't, you know, I grew up pretty, pretty clean. You know, I mean, I did a lot of raging, but I didn't get in any trouble. I had no violent, you know, criminal activity. And so I was able to classify for camp status. And so it was, it was nice for that reason. But at the same time, you know, it's still prison. Man, it's, there, it's still crazy, man, because it's a reality check when you walk into jail, man. Yeah. Even if you're doing one day. You know, it's funny, and I, I always tell people, you know, I, I live my life outside having everything on a silver platter, travel in the world, money, fame, all this. But it, it felt like I always had to prove or I had to, like, jump through these hoops to make myself feel good, try to satisfy my inner person, myself. And and I was never really free, like content, truly content and satisfied. And then I got to prison and I asked Christ to come into my heart. And I was like, man, all of a sudden I felt this freedom I never felt before, that I was who I was supposed to be and that I had a purpose, that my purpose was to influence people, but in a positive way to help people not make mistakes were before I was like, yeah, here's how you make mistakes, you know? <laughs> Now this I is how like, we do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. This blueprint. is how you get to prison, and I'm a good example, <laughs> right? Follow me. But it was it was in that place that I found true freedom. And you know, everybody says, "How can you find it when you're in prison?" Yeah. You know, and I always tell everybody that I went from instead of everyone saying I had freedom to prison, I always say I was in prison my whole life, not knowing who my true identity was in Christ, to getting into a prison cell and being set free. And so, for the first time in my life, I was free. And how, you know, it's such a, such an ironic thing for there to be bars and everybody to be going, you're crazy. And I was like, man, this is sick. You know, I'm going to heaven. You know what I mean? I was like, you don't even know the things I went through that I could have been in hell right now. But you know what? Now I'm going to heaven. So I'd walk to chow all happy. I'd cruise into, you know, the chow hall and everybody's like all pissed off, all bummed to be there. I was like, sweet, this is sick. What's up? You know, I had peace, peace and joy and love. And my, my girlfriend at the time, we were like, I was like, babe. I love you. Want to get married? She's like, you just want me to stay with you because you're in prison. <laughs> you know what I mean? Be by yourself. And then you're going to be. And you, furlough. You just, you just want me to be here. And then when I get out, you're going to leave me, huh? And I'm like, no. Nah, that ain't me no more. I said, that ain't me no more. I've changed. I'm not like that <laughs> I'm no not more. like that no more. You're special. And, and, and she was like, <laughs> but then she's like, you know what? I need to ask God about this. And she goes, how do I ask God? And. Her uncle is a pastor, and he goes, well, read the Bible. She's like, <laughs> okay, where do I read? She goes, Proverbs. And he goes, well, where? I'll just read my age. And she was 22. And she goes, well, what number should I pick? It was the date, 18. So she goes, 1822. And it says, he who finds a wife, find what is good and has favor from the Lord. That's what that scripture says. And so she went and got a marriage license and ended up coming in and saying, I'm marrying you, babe. And that's the true story right there. Wow. I thank it's God, you know, because God hooked that up. Man, my <laughs> first day in rehab, right? Back when I was hooked on crack, back in the 91, 92. And um, I had the same thing that happened to him. But it was, but it took a while, right? I went, I went, I went a, a lot of nights of <laughs> weeping quietly by myself. Cleansing. You know, you can't really cry like that. We had that gas. You can't really cry. I would go like somewhere in the woods and be like, I'm fucked up. <laughs> you know, I was all sad. 
But then, you know, after a while, man, I felt happy again, man. And I was in rehab, but I was just happy that I wasn't in jail because everybody in rehab were in numbers. Mm-hmm. And you were an N number. You had to go to jail, go to rehab. You didn't, you didn't get that choice, huh? No. Did you fight for that? Because you could have got that, maybe. Yeah, I think they called it. Should have uh, had a pipe with you. Yeah, they call it something, but they in federal prison, it ain't like that. You do 85% of your time. You don't do half time, and there's no conjugal visits. You know, there's none of that. There's Damn. no furloughs. There's none of that. But, you know, I think that's what it took for me to be able to have that much pressure on me to change my life. Because, you know, I I could talk my way out of anything. I could pull any card. I could call any friend and, you know, and really get myself out of any situation. But finally, all those lines were cut. And I had to really evaluate myself and and see who I was on the inside. And through, you know, that time in there, I think it, it really built a foundation for me to stay sober when I got out, to say, you know what, I want to serve God more. How do I do that? Well, you get involved in the church. I got involved in the church, and now I'm a pastor at the Sanctuary Church in, you know, Costa Mesa, and now I travel around the world sharing my story at churches all over the world, and, you know, and, you know, Jennifer, we have two children together, and, you know, nine and six, and, you know, we've been through the ringer even when we got out. People think, oh, it's awesome. Now everything's great. Well, married, you know, you're married. Yeah. You know, I mean, there there comes a point where you have to, like, you know, really deal with uh, your personalities and things you don't want to compromise with. And you Yeah, know, I got baby mamas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got baby mamas? Yeah. yeah. You got older so, kids? Yep. Two I older two kids, older right? Kids, what are yep. their names? Classic, right? Uh, that's our son yeah. here, but it's rhythm is the 18. And then I got one James and I have three grandchildren as you well. You and kid for us have a kid named rhythm. I think. Yep. 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 I think Chris kid for us son is skating now. He's like nine. Yeah. yeah the little yeah. one. Yeah. The little one. He's for Chris. sure. Yeah. Wow. We hang out. Me and yeah. kid. Yeah, for sure. And we, King coffee. At, at, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the drum circle. <laughs> Get those beats together. But you know, it's rad to have, you know, Jennifer now, she's even starting her own career. She's in real estate. And uh, before it was like so tough because she was always like Christian Soy's wife taking care of the kids. And it got tough to the point where she had. She stood with you like a soldier. (laughs) Yeah, but she was having a tough time because here comes, you know, her dependencies that started creeping up, whether it was pills, you know, and and alcohol at times because it was too much. It it was too much, and she went through her struggles, and then I got to stick by her side. And I think there was this, uh, you know, this almost like a change of roles. And I think that that's what makes us even more stronger as a, you know, married couple, as a mother and father, as even pastors. Like, she didn't even really think, you know, she's like, I didn't sign up for this. I wanted you to change. I wanted you to read your Bible, but you want to become a pastor now? I'm like, I'm not, I'm not trying to get all crazy. And I'm like over here raising the dead, cast, water. casting devils out of people. And she's like, this ain't for me. Walking Walking the water, like you never walked in MacArthur Park. <laughs> oh, and that's where I'm from. Echo Park. You know, I grew up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. up? Yeah. And so for me, it was just like a no-brainer. I come from the punk rock, you know, skateboarding, rebel. So I became a rebel for, for, for you know, Christ. And it was just like normal for me. You go 100, you know what I mean? You don't. 
do anything half stepping. And so, you know, for her, it was kind of difficult. But now, I mean, she's she's just amazing. I mean, she's got, like I said, now she's like starting to challenge me on making money. She's like, I'm going to I'm going to buy the first house. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, <laughs> you're messing with my ego right now. <laughs> You know what I mean, but you know her and her her. Uh, what's to, what's our son's age again? What's today? Let's look it up on Proverbs. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're gonna what check this out. No, God, you know, I God, I, I need a word. I don't like that. Let's go to, let's go to Psalms. Oh, here it is. Death too shall wait. <laughs> I'm a. Bu- I don't know, man. Like when I came out of rehab, I, my my parents this uh, they used to hate me because they were Catholics. But I was coming from a Christian perspective, perspective now, and I was den- I was like denouncing. I was Bible whipping everybody in my house. Fool! I went back to rehab. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a double edged sword. Yeah, because they don't want to. They want to do it, and I forgot that you can't change people to to just change yourself and like, accept them till they come along. They yeah. were hating me, bro. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not being critical, judgmental. Yeah, it's, I was very critical, yeah, judgmental yeah, yeah. at first, and, and that's how the church, you know, a lot of the church has been, and I think that's been the turnoff. That's yeah. why people, you know, kind of look at it and they're like, oh, you're one of them, and I'm like, no, check me out for a while, and sure enough, as time goes on, you're a good representative for that. Some people are bad representative, like, bro, you know what? You're a loser. Yeah, yeah, you're a sinner. Oh yeah, you, you're going to hell. Instead of like, like, is that gonna like be sweet? <laughs> like, that's not mom, a sweet message. Saying, that's everything my mom would say. You know, you're gonna you're masturbate. You're gonna go to hell. Oh man, the wonder man has on fire. <laughs> <laughs> but now she's, you know, my wife, three years sobriety. I've got sixteen. You know, I've got a company and I'm traveling. Sixteen. Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Sixteen and a half years. But the first five don't count because you were locked up. So actually, it's eleven. <laughs> You know what? People say that, but it was easy. Oh, but you could have had drugs in there, Oh, though, it's easy. You're, no, it's easy. You're Christian Hosoy. They put it with a hooked it up for the first one. Well, whoever had soups, <laughs> whoever had soups and, and, and chicharrones and, and, and Milky Ways Jose, could get it hooked up. Jose, I don't think spread. it needed a name in there. What's the best bread you had in there? Oh, man. Every two weeks, you'd get roast beef, right? And every other day, every day other than that was bologna for lunch. And so I worked at culinary and, uh. Culinary, bro. It wasn't a, it wasn't a cook. It was a oh, culinary no, no, no. school. Yeah, yeah. It was, it we was. Had cool. chef. So. Cordon Bleu. We would, we would sneak back <laughs> to the roast beef and we'd make a spread, you know, in the trash bags and we'd throw in the beef jerky and then you throw in everything else, the coffee, the creamers, the mustard. Everything you Damn. just throw it in there. Mayonnaise, if there was peanut butter, you throw peanut butter in there, and uh, wow. it, it was like it. a. It became that, like that a sound good high Thai. It became like Thai food or 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 Indian food. You know what I mean with the peanut butter <laughs> like and the chicharrones. You know? I'm telling you, Filipino chocolate. I'll make it for you sometime. <laughs> what was yours? <laughs> yeah, me a vegan. Matter of fact, speaking of vegan. We just came from, uh, what was the restaurant's name? Crossroads before here. And, uh, you know, my wife said you were vegan, so we went and checked it out. And uh, I tell you, I'm not vegan, but it was good. It was good. It was good. What did you have? I I had the chorizo. Oh, yeah. Scramble. Yeah. yeah, And the uh, chicken and waffles. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it was delicious. And uh, is that where you go? We haven't been there yet. Russell we haven't Simmons been there. Russell Simmons goes there. Russell Simmons goes there. 
We go to um, Veggie Grill on um, the other place by the train tracks over here. Well, my buddy, I don't know if you know Travis. You know Travis Barker? Yes. Yeah. He's he's, he's one of the he, night at Voodoo Glows. You know Voodoo Glows schools? He's one of the owners at, uh, at that Crossroads. Crossroads. And so we got to set up a, a dinner and go over there and set it up. Go terrorize and find a lady who go with us. <laughs> <laughs> blind date. Blind no. vegan date. <laughs> she was really blind. No. <laughs> but it was delicious. You know, I, I have to say I'm not. Every time she says, let's go to vegan, I, I'm not, like, looking forward to it. But it was one of the more finer vegan foods I've had probably ever. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. My, my, when I want to tell people that my mom, my, my wife makes ceviche and it's vegan. They said, nah, bro. How you make it? Where you get the fish from? It's not fish, bro. It's raw. It's coconut. Coconut meat. You just chop it all up and you put a bunch of lemons and it starts to turn it gooey. And it does, it does taste like ceviche, man. If you forgot what ceviche tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But let me tell you, anything with lemon tastes good, though. Yeah, you can like, you know, I remember, man, getting eat, my mom used to make this horrible, well, not horrible, it's still good. <laughs> but now I think it's horrible. She used to boil <laughs> chicken, right? And then she'd, that'll be with rice, that'll be her chicken soup. Just boiled, bro. Like, she didn't clean it out. Like, it'll be foam of chicken for fat. hours. Yeah. So I remember I got one of those meats and I put lemon and tapatio and I said, man, this tastes like crab. <laughs> and that was it. And that was it. Went man. vegan. Went vegan. How no, no, I wouldn't go vegan then, but I mean, it, <laughs> it tastes good. And I started making tostadas that tasted like ceviche, but it was all chicken, man. But then one day I thought about that's gross. So I stopped eating that. That was my spread. <laughs> and how long has it been? Um, four years. Uh, no, uh, two thousand twelve. Five years. Five now, years? Yeah. No, man, and um, I lost twenty pounds since then. So fat. A lot at first. So you have a book? Yeah, I got a book. It's uh, I wish I had it with me. Just tell us, people, but, download or buy it. Put yeah, the link up. it's uh called "My Life as a Skateboarder Junkie Inmate Pastor." And uh, it's through Harper One, and you can get it on Amazon, any place like that. But they, we did a phenomenal job. Uh, you know, you think about these things, you know, you're going to do a book, and you're like, okay, I hope it's good. But this one, I'm Is really it an audible? Stoked. It's a, uh, I think it is. Do you narrate it? No. Ah. No. Like, I, I want to do that. And I want to get it translated, because everybody around the world wants to get it, but they're like, that costs money. And I'm like, well, I guess we need to raise some money. Rajul could um, um, translate it to Armenian, bro. (laughs) Give us some Armenian, bro. (laughs) Hey, bro. Bro. I I also did a documentary called Rising Sun with uh, QD3, Quincy Jones' son, helped produce it with uh, Cesario Montano. Uh, Block is the director. And then Dennis Hopper narrated it. Hell yeah, dude was uh phenomenal the the whole project came out like incredible for everything of my life like all the way through to the very end i was i was very pleased with how that came out and you know for something that you do anything you do you want it to affect people's lives and to this day i still have people constantly emailing text dming whatever all those things are you know telling me you know how they've just watched it and it's affected their life and so you know, I, I, 
I really feel that that was a huge success. And so now what I'd really love to do is like a feature film. You know, I'm really trying to figure out how to do my life rights for like a nice feature film based on the whole dark side of my life. Kind of like a... Uh, Who will play you? Mario Lopez. Right? right? <laughs> Mario Lopez. <laughs> now he's <laughs> busy. Pretty bro, sick. Telling, telling people they're at his feet. <laughs> I don't know how he do. To watch at every, every hotel. I don't know how he do with the cool part though. <laughs> Would he be able to act cool? Nah, yeah, he's, he's cute. He can't be cool. I don't think he, can. He have long hair. Be yeah. cool. And, nah, remember he used to have it permed on Saved by the Bell. Oh, <laughs> it was yeah, a yeah, mullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had a perm yeah. on yeah. Nah, yeah, nah. Yeah, yeah. No, but that that's interesting stuff like that. You know, some those are the projects I'd be, you know, really interested in. In doing, you know, besides comedy, you know, that's my like new thing. <laughs> Have you been yeah, in- you guys are laughing. <laughs> it's already working. You've been in movies though, right? Uh, not really. I've I've done like um, cameo in that dog Lords of Dogtown, but really haven't done anything. I never. You know what? All my friends were actors. I did this movie called Thrashing. Back yeah, in in. That was a pretty big deal, but that was a good movie. Was that going down the hill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's a guy break dancing, and yeah. the lead actor goes, "Man, break dancing is uh, what is memory? Saying? It's a memory. <laughs> good. I and saw that's thrashing. my only line in the movie, right there. Yeah. And I look at him and I go, "Wimps." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were the break dancer? No, we were. I mean, I was in yeah. real life back when you know we were going to clubs like. 82, 83, breakdancing was huge. The Odyssey, you know, se- I mean, 321 Santa Monica. A lot of punk gigs, like at, at um, lot, did you go to a lot of punk gigs too? Oh, I, I mean, my dad Fender's threw one ballroom. of the, went to all those places, the Stardust, you know, who, all those places. I mean, I can't, I was so young and I was going to them. I'd be sitting so there with Tennessee, like, huh? I was sitting there with yeah. long hair and I'd be like, dang, look at all these crazy people. And it was just like super punk. Like everybody had spikes and razor blades and everybody's bleeding. I was like, this stuff's just crazy. I'm like, I want to go to the skate park. You know what I mean? <laughs> Back in the day, you get jumped by bald head people just for having long hair. Oh, beat him up. He's got long hair. Wouldn't they go at it like heavy metalers and yeah. punklers and shit? My my father threw a huge like concert, like punk gig at Marina with Fear, Circle Jerks, um, the Joneses, which was Steve Olson's band, all these bands back then. And even the uh, cover of, uh, I think it's, um, what was it called? Um I can't remember the cover of the band, but it's at the Marina Del Rey Skate Park. And I'm sitting there. There's fights. It's blood everywhere. Jay Adams has now got a mohawk, and he's doing backflips everywhere. And I'm just going, I've got, like, long hair, town and country shorts. I'm 12 years old. I'm like, these people are nuts, right? But... That was the moment when it all changed, when it started getting rad and gnarly and like I cut my hair. Next thing you know, I'm listening to, you know, hip hop. You know, Herbie Hancock came out with all that and then Rocket. Break Rocket. And I mean, we just got the linoleum, the cardboard out. We're going to the parks. Now we're, you know, we're thinking we're B-boys, you know what I mean? Hanging out at all the parks back in the day. And then we go to the clubs, in the circle, the whole deal. 
<laughs> and then I did that movie right after. Yeah. And I was like, you know, rashing. Yeah. But I never really got into acting because my my buddies who did it, they'd be like, one year they're fine because they just did a movie. Next year they're depressed because they haven't got a movie. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, whoa! Now they're homeless because they had money. They had a nice place. Now they're like living at their parents' house. They don't got. Mo-. I was like, that's not a secure, secure job. You know, I was like, you know what? Skateboarding's good. I get paid all the time. <laughs> you know, and, and and so I never really thought, okay, this is like a career that I'd want to pursue because i had one but now i look at it i'm like man it looks kind of fun you know so you were like the generation of, of skaters after huh you, you guys through you guys were like um you get you came in and you were in your style was different from the people before you right yeah things have evolved in the, the you were beyond pools right you were jumping yeah i mean we went from these narrow boards to wide boards to, those to boards, like a road. Yeah, big were just fat wheels fat to wheels. started streamlining to where we got them down to a science where they became high performance and we we're doing instead of the highest air being four feet i'm going like eight ten feet now and that's in the mid 80s when it just really skyrocketed on like the the tricks the level of competition and then when uh all the parks closed the half pipe started popping up and then you could put them anywhere. You didn't have to go to like a skate park for a contest anymore. You could take it, put it in the middle of a parking lot and then you could have these massive crowds. Then they go into stadiums. Next thing you know, we're doing stadium events and uh, like Anaheim convention center full of people. And we're just like, it felt like rock stars at that time. You know, some big F Rams back Hell in the yeah. day, huh? Yeah. Enormous. Yeah. I mean, well, was there money involved? Like I don't remember involved. Cause I was just I always, always say like I can't skate, man. I should have just made I should have made ramps. <laughs> you know, there was guys that were making money making ramps because there was a lot to do, competitions and travel. But there was only a few people who could do it because they locked it down and they had it. But we were making a lot of money. I was making maybe selling the wood twenty to forty thousand dollars a month. Wow. Like for a kid, you know that's you know. 18, 19. How much did that steal from you? Not just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he was the, he, he was vice president <laughs> of my corporation. And so we shared everything. And so everything I made went through, you know, me and my mom. My mom was You got to keep something. Person. Glad your dad was there. Yeah. I mean, well, I wouldn't say we kept anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think our, our whole, you know, motto was we're going to have fun and we're going to rage and we're going to party and we're going to spend it all you know and i ended up wish i was there (laughs) yeah i ended up buying harleys you know mustang convertibles and just you know wc fields estate right up there off of uh echo park and sunset built a full-on 32 foot wide ramp that was on the side of the mountain where you could see from sunset boulevard and just you know the mclaren i mean you you, you name it, I was spending it, taking all my friends to Hawaii, sponsoring people, taking them all around the world, treating everybody every night to dinner, going to clubs eight days a week, you know, and I mean, it, it was pretty, you know, pretty out there, adventurous. You I miss that life? Say. I don't miss that life in a up. sense of like knowing why I'm doing things. But did I have a good time? Oh, I had a great time because I... You know, built relationships. I, you know, 
succeeded in my career and accolades, the accomplishments, the breaking records, Guinness Book of World Records. I got inducted into the Skateboarding Hall of Fame, you know, a few years ago. And, you know, one of the biggest accomplishments that you could ever have in our sport. But I think the part of it that I'm enjoying is being an ambassador for the sport now today and kind of like still being a part of it. Vans is a huge contributor to the roots and they sponsor like me, Tony Alva, you know, Vans. Yeah. Guys like that. And they take us around the world and we represent the, the history of the sport. And so now I'm having a ball traveling the world. I mean, 50th Vans is on their 50th anniversary right now. And we're able to go out and just tell the world where it all started, why people are in Vans, And it's all because of skateboarding and, you know, we started this, you know, they're, they're really giving us a lot of, you know, uh, um, of the credit for why Vans is as popular and as successful as it is today, you know, and, and, and I think that's a huge, huge, you know, uh, um, I guess, uh, affirmation for what we did for the sport. And so now I get to, you know, enjoy without having the pressures of winning the contest to get paid. Yes. Now I get to go and just show up and just represent skateboarding. Uh, that's good. Yeah, you like you are an ambassador because you're known all over the world. You know, Hell yeah, dude. Like Christian Josoy is up there, like Pepsi of skateboarding. You know, even though you had your ups and downs, you're back. You know, you're representing. And when I see like skateboarding all over the world, I always think about you. You know, Tony Hawk, the people who are representing. Like, I saw a documentary of, um, of, of, of a guy who went to South Africa. No, Ethiopia. And over there, there's a bunch of kids with skateboards. And other skateboards are given by people like yourself. There's not even a skate shop in Ethiopia. But their people are skating. Because, you know, you know, people aren't starving anymore. But there's a new skater scene starting in Ethiopia. And it's because of you. You know, these kids don't even, they're, they're watching the old tapes, bro. They're not watching the new tapes. <laughs> they're watching YouTube. They don't have YouTube. They got old VHSs, bro. And the guys say, no, man, these are the stuff they watch. And it's you, now the old school guys. Maybe we should, one day we should just do a show and donate a bunch of skateboards to all these kids in Ethiopia. Yeah, me and you should team up and go out there and do that. And, I'll build uh, a ramp, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we could have somebody else do that, and uh, I'll skate, and you you tell Joe, you be do what you love to do, and I think, you know what, we can inspire a lot of people around the world, because I think, you know, what, what you do is you give a lot of people hope that they can make it out of wherever situation they're in, and I, you know, that's what I want to do. I want to give people hope that they can, you know, come out of wherever they're at, don't matter how far down that dark road they've gone, that they can make it back and turn it around and start to do good again because a lot of people just try and write people off once they've done some, you know, crazy stuff like I did and, and not saying you did anything crazy, but like, you know, for me, they're like, yeah, he's too far gone. And then when your life changes, they're like, wait, you can, you can make it back from that. And then they're like, I thought I'd never make it back. That's why I just kept going down this road. And so well, we saw you at home freeze. He said, that's good to Jose, Josoy. And I said to myself, I thought that fool was still locked up. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, for real, I thought you were done. Like, I thought this guy was just locked up, and that's it. But it's good to know you're doing well. Yeah, and I'm um, just grateful 
you know, to be able to spend time with my children now, you know, endless and classic. I mean, they're here with me hanging out. You see them, meet them, but just to be able to watch them grow up, even hanging out with my father. We haven't hung out since like the 90s, and now he's living with us for a few months, and it's just been one of those surreal times in my life. And even my wife, she's now just become a real estate agent. I mean, she's with a company called Case. They're like the rising company in the industry, and so she's you know, got a whole new lease on life. I mean, life is good right now. And I mean, look at, I'm here with Felipe Esparza, right? Is that <laughs> Esparza. it? Esparza. Esparza. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> Ezra. But I was like, I don't want to say Ezra. <laughs> but, uh, Paul Rodriguez Jr. right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This this is like that's a, one of the guys unbelievable that look up times, to you, man. You know? That's one of the kids that look up to you too, Paul Rodriguez Jr. Yeah, yeah. It, you met him? Oh yeah, I know him really well. It's and, funny, man, like how how life is. Like my son knows who you are, and he knows who Paul Rodriguez Jr. is, and he wanted to meet them. And then growing up, I thought Paul Rodriguez was God. Like you know, everybody, I thought he was my, my version of Richard Pryor for Mexicans, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so what is your background, by the way? Um, Japanese. My dad's pure Japanese. I'm Hawaiian, Chinese, Scotch, Irish, French, and Jewish. So my mom is, her mom was Hawaiian Chinese, and they're all from Hawaii. And my grandfather Basically was there. Basically Filipino. Right? <laughs> well, I was going to say Mexican. Because <laughs> I look it. He's from but, Oaxaca. But um, you do. I, I'm, I'm a full mix. And uh, when I went to prison, though, everybody thought I was like, they're like, hey, Holmes. <laughs> they're like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not, you know. And they're like, what are you? I'm like, I'm Jack. They're like, you're lying. <laughs> No, you're not. And I'm you're like, lying. I, I don't swear, I swear, you don't speak, you don't speak Mexican. I'm like, no, I'm Japanese, Hawaiian. They're like, what? Then they, what? then they point over to you know whoever else to come then talk they ask to you, me. What's that? Eh? You know, Godzilla <laughs> in the water. That's Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm, you have your skating company. Yeah, I got a company called Hasoi Skateboards, and you sponsor people. And this is the 30th anniversary. Dude, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Skates? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got one, bro. I've Legit. Got, I've got a cool team, you know, people. That's the famous color right there. Yeah. I mean, here you go. This is the uh, newest. Yeah, man. Newest logo, obviously. Rise above. And uh, my father did the graphics behind. The first ones was kind of like, it's a tribute to all my graphics. Getting goosebumps right here, bro. John Lucero did the. The new updated, you know, kind of like the wings and everything. Kind of Dogtown. It's got the cross in it, which represents who I am today. And uh, just, I'm having a ball, man. I'm wanting to just grow the brand, be a competing brand with all the rest of them, like I was back in the day. And, and you know, I've got all kinds of ideas. I'm doing art. My father's out here doing art. He's doing a lot of graphic design for companies and we're having a blast. We're really having a blast. You guys need a reality show. Well, your we're, father could be the comedy. I, I, I'm going to give it the, the first. comedy right there, bro. You'll be the first <laughs> to hear about it, but we're filmed. Well, we, 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 we have a sizzle reel done <laughs> this week for a reality show. Tight. Man. Fuse TV, come on. Man, you're prophetic. Start bringing money. <laughs> Bring money. 
Yeah, it's a full production company. They did all, you know, 30H, other things. I can see it on MTV. Oh, totally. But we're, we're trying totally. to just do it. It's kind of, I think we're going to use the name Christian's Family Values, as in I Christian like Hasoy's Family Values. I like it. And it's about all of them. And, and so it's going to be hilarious. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, so she even admits it. My wife, no my wife admits it. She's crazy. <laughs> and that's, a, that's like, that's like mellow. Like, I mean, it, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. My kids are, you know, they're, they're quiet right now. Cause they, they have to be right now. I'm sure we told them they have to be quiet, but. My father's on it. My other son, Rhythm, 18-year-old, he's going to be in it. And we're just going to do family stuff on, you know, uh, I guess a TV level. You know what I mean? I grew up in front of the camera my whole life. And to do like a reality show, I never thought I'd do like just a home reality. I thought it'd be some crazy reality show like Fear Factor or something like that. But here I am doing like one that's on family values and it's like, it's almost perfect because that's what I want to watch if I'm watching TV. I don't want to watch something that's, you know, all about this adventurous thing. I want to watch what do you do when they turn off the cameras type of thing. Yeah. You know, I want to know what you guys talk about. What do you tell your kids? How do you hit, you know, spank your kids? Do you spank your kids? You know, what is your wife and you, how do you handle an argument? I think those are the things that MTV or those, you know, entertain whatever. I don't know the networks, but – you know, all of them. Bravo. <laughs> I mean, you look at, you know, the famous reality shows. I mean, really, it's about nothing. You know, people just hanging out. Minus the reality. Right? I mean, so I'm hoping it comes out funny. And uh, I'll, I'll get your approval, I'm sure, when I see you. And you'll be like, dude, more it's not funny. <laughs> We need more drama. <laughs> There's no conflict here. <laughs> we need you stranded somewhere. But I think that's where we got my wife. My wife is all conflict and drama. And, uh, <laughs> you know, a blast so, off. <laughs> so, so she, I mean, really, they, they know that she is. And so they're hoping that she's going to stir they up. Know, bro. They, 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 up they're like, she's going to stir it up for you, Holmes. <laughs> they used to call me Holmes, right? Holy they're going to stir it up for you, know. Holmes. And you're going to have to figure out how to deal with it on camera. And I'm like, dang! You I'm get like, a, this is gonna be this is gonna be fun, man. You, you would get like big ass fools like my probably like my size of course. <laughs> Damn, bro, I love you, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna act like that that night, man. I'm sure there's a lot of dudes getting all star struck around you. Huh? Hell yeah, they want to lift you up and shit. <laughs> I got guys that want to <laughs> hug me, hold my hair. Hey, man, slap my wife now. <laughs> it, is it, it is a. Uh, uh, Pretty pretty cool to have people want your autograph, take pictures with you. You know, I've been doing it since I was like probably 12, 13 years old. And uh, it never gets old like on when somebody asks you. I think it's humbling. You know, I've always felt like that because my father, my mother, you know, taught me how to appreciate things and, and, and really not take things for granted. Always remember where you came from and to uh, never burn any bridges and for me, it was all about the fans. It was all about the people who supported you through, you know, your career. And I would, you know, I'd basically at contests, I'd give everything away all the way down to, you know, basically I'm not wearing it 
anything but my underwear and I'd be like driving away in my town car, you know, going, sweet, I'll see you next time, you know. And, and I remember just doing <laughs> it, destroy. not thinking, you know, how much of a, 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 you know, it meant for somebody else, but what it meant for me. And so today I like think about it and I go, wow, this is dope. You know what I mean? When I was a kid, I thought none of these dudes did drugs. <laughs> I thought they were all like, uh, listen, I always thought that, nah, but they can't, like, these guys don't do drugs. They can't, how can you do that on, on drugs? So I never did drugs because I thought these guys didn't do drugs. And then I'm thinking, they all did drugs. I'm glad they didn't know that back then. I'm glad they don't know TMZ back then. Yeah. I really thought everybody was sober. I thought everybody was focused. Then you come in and I said, right, I guess, yeah, man. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Shit, the first time I smoked, uh, smelled weed was around skateboarders. <laughs> and you wonder why I ended up where I ended up, right? Uh, you know what? I like skater chicks, eh? Hell yeah, and surfing girls. There, there is a, uh, a flower. Kind of like in that culture, surfing, skating. It's like quit school, drop out, and live this like almost like gypsy life where you don't work. And you know, back then there really wasn't a career as so much as it is today where I created a career for myself when I was like 15 years old, I was like, okay, I'm going to make money. This is going to be what I do. I'm going to, this is going to be my occupation. And if this is, you know, if I could do this for a living, I'll never work a day in my life. Cause I just love doing it. You know, that's what was, was my whole intentions, but you know, peer pressure comes on and now you're like, everybody's putting you on a pedestal and you're like, wait, I got to, I got to fit the part, you know? I mean, <laughs> rock stars got to fit the part. I need my convertible for a coat. I don't know if it's like that in the comedian world. But it is. <laughs> you got a lot of peer pressure every there. Comedian, every comedian wants that little blue check approved on Twitter. <laughs> wow. I wake up begging. <laughs> I can't believe I got 800,000 followers and I'm not approved. <laughs> To think of the things that now you're looking forward to were back then. There was none of that. There was just for to get approved. Yeah. I, I, I see some comedian man begging, bro. Hell yeah, dog. To get somewhere, you need a Thomas guide. You know what I mean? There was no map quest. Hell no. That used to be my old joke. I used to say, man, if you live, you can't pick up with women who live too far. If I have to look, look you up on Thomas guide, it's over. <laughs> what? You're on four, page 45, 6B? My, it's out of your jurisdiction. I gotta buy another Thomas guy to find out where you live. <laughs> I gotta buy the Riverside, Riverside County Thomas guy. Put them together. Huh? They're all different ones. You got the Orange County, you got the Los Angeles yeah, ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. You gotta get the correct spelling, by the way. <laughs> the it's street? Paloma with one L. <laughs> so, what's up, fool? This week, I'll be at the Tempe Improv with Rodrigo Torres and Keith Manning. Get off the field. Get off. April 7th through 10, April 16th. I'll be in El Paso at the Abram Chavez Theater. Hopefully, there'll be more than 50 people. You know your story, how that goes. <laughs> April 21st to 23rd, I'll be in Reno, Nevada. Reno Tahoe Comedy Club with Rodrigo Torres. Yeah, man. April 28th through May 1st, Houston, Texas, at the Houston Improv with Rodrigo Torres. I don't know. And Gene Pompalicious. Pompa. So, what's up, fool? Any questions Chilling, for our bro. guest, bro, Christian Osoy? And how how crazy was it? Was like um back in the day, like in like when Thrasher first started coming out, did you ever like uh, face any racial shit? 
People talking. You know, there was really none because skateboarding was such a, a almost like a uh, minority, you know, sport at the time. So we were kind of like the rebels, and and when you had like blacks, whites, Mexicans, Asians all hanging out together, it was like, whoa, this is this is like they're breaking down the barriers of racial tension. You know, that's why the gangsters that would get involved in Venice or something like that, they're like, yeah, I don't want to be in gangs. So they come over and then they'd be like, whoa, man, what's happened to you? You turned into a white boy. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and but he's For over reals. here with a bunch of like, you know, Asians and trying white, to be white, you know, and, and <laughs> always. And I think that we really Dude. broke down that barrier of it being cool. To be a minority, Man. you know, across the board, whether it be music, you know, because it's hard to, you know, almost like influence people on a cultural level, like subculture skateboarding became this thing that affected fashion, affected music, affected like lifestyle. Like we weren't we weren't having it. We we're like, no, that's lame. This is those are kooks and we're cool. You know what I mean? We <laughs> totally. were very opinionated. And I think that that's where skateboarding stepped out and took that risk. You know, rock stars, they were like high as a kite. So they were like floating around with like scarves and stuff, you know, and, and wearing some crazy stuff. And, and, but there was some that were about the craft. And so that propelled them to be, you know, obviously the best at what they do, but they weren't sitting here trying to tell the world how, you know, what's cool or skateboarders, you know, were at the time. And so, you know, I don't think I, I thought I was the one trying to tell people you know, <laughs> <laughs> what was up, you know, and it, it, growing up in LA, especially, I think such a melting pot of different races that we thought it was lame to have any racial tension, you know, at that time, we were like, no, we're sticking up for each other. And that broke down a lot of walls on you know, the, the racial tension in the streets where gangs, obviously I went to prison. I know how it is, you know, that, that segregation walls hard politics are real. And so when I think about, you know, my time in prison, I I'm thankful because I learned what that was really like. And I, and I got to understand and how they had to get along and deal with each other and have to keep that line hard. There was no going over it because there's such a history of like, the war against, you know, racial war, but out on the streets, we were like, no, we're free. We can do whatever we want, you know? And so there was really no pressure on me being a minority at all. I don't think. Yeah, man. Having a skateboard, man, you're not a cholo back in the days. <laughs> that was your safety net. No, bro. I don't gangbang. Look at my board. Do a trick. Oh, I can't do any tricks. <laughs> just steal boards. We're <laughs> so full podcast with our guest, Kristen Hosoy up in here, Hell all yeah, the way dog. from Echo Park and Pico Union area. The legendary. The legend. When is this so, coming on? This Friday. Yeah, anything you want to promote? Yeah, I'm going to be speaking at uh, up in Diamond Bar on Sunday at uh Raul Reese's church at, uh, it's a Calvary but it's called Shine and I'll be there Sunday night it's with the whosoever's I don't know if you know Sonny from POD he, the band POD yes, but I'm he's sure. the one who started this whole whosoever's movement and it's kind of like reaching people who normally wouldn't go to church that are into you know whether it be motorcycles tattoos you know punk rock music and just you know hardcore lifestyle Growing up, you know, gangbanging, whatever it is, but it reaches that. Bring your ex lady, bro. And so <laughs> I'll be speaking 
uh, Sunday night I'll be at Shine. Dot. I'll be posting it on my social okay. medias. Hell yeah. You know, all my social media. What's your Instagram that people it's know? It's Christian Asoy. All of Twitter. It. Twitter, Twitter's Christian Asoy. The blue check? I got my blue check. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Verified. Did I have to pay for that? It's <laughs> <laughs> to you randomly. <laughs> But, uh, you know, to get mentions, I guess, right? Yeah. You have to have a blue check. Yeah. And so I thought that that was kind of a trip, but I still haven't used it yet. I just got it. So I'm new at how to really uh, use. Actually, I just got on Snapchat for the first time because my wife was like, this is fun. I was like, what's so fun about that? I thought it was like this thing that kids did to I send I thought, I thought nasty kids. pictures to each other and then they erase <laughs> real quick, right? I just thought that that's what it was for, but that's what it was for. Now it's changed and everybody's like, you know. You got to keep up. Bro. I'm on Periscope, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yep. I'm, on, I, I'm even on the, on the other one, Pinterest. Pinterest? Send me some vegan recipes. <laughs> What's up, um, Food Podcast? Thank you very much, Jennifer Hosoy, for hooking it up. Thank you, yeah. Christian Hosoy, for being a good guest, the best guest. Man, people are going to love this, I appreciate it. Man. Thank you. Thank you for you. the board. Sign it, please. So I could <laughs> sell it later. <laughs> now, sign it for me, please. I want to put it up sure. on my house. For Hell sure. yeah, man. Well, Regal, yeah, man, you yeah. keep the hat, dog. It's all gravy. Hey, man, thank you very much. Seriously, oh. keep shining with what you're doing, man. I appreciate that. Thanks Beautiful, for having man. me on the show. Sign I, it, wait, people. I need to come check you out live now we're gonna be at the oh yeah april 20 <laughs> we're having the 100th anniversary comedy show me and rodrigo will, will be hosting the show 100th episode 100 episode show oh yeah no. at the ice out in pasadena all right but local yeah. all right also brea improv in august you'll see the full one hour show yeah, and yeah, then uh, I saw we're just promo- we're just both doing stand up comedy. We'll do a word. Oh, so we're, yeah, we're, dude. we'll do it right. Yeah. I'll set you up for jokes. Just set me up for jokes. That's it. I love like doing radio. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to come check that yeah. out. And, uh, date and, night, right? Yeah, date night. <laughs> date night. I saw there'll be fun. We have a lot of comedians that've been on the show. Hell Who's yeah. book? You know. Uh, so far, Gene. Joey Coco did a maybe. That's right. I might be there. You never know. Got to go to Buffalo. And then uh, Scruncho's book. Scruncho will be there. Oh, she needs to bring skates. Jim Pompa, delicious. Okay, we're waiting on two more people. So, Scrunch and Jim Pompa. Also, people, April 15th, five days before the show. <laughs> Rodrigo Torres will be over there with uh, Chepo. <laughs> no, it pops in uh, Gracie. <laughs> headlining show. Uh, Do you need dude. any lessons? Stage two, eh? Stage two? Yeah. Let us know, bro. Yes. Hell yeah. What's uh-uh. up, little man? You ready? Go back home? All right. <laughs> What's up, Fool Podcast? Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Don't forget, you can buy Christian Hosoy's book through Amazon through our webpage, and then we'll get a little we'll get a little star for you going through our webpage to buy Christian Hosoy's book. But all that information will be on. Buy the book, get a little message, and then um, go watch him speak this Sunday if you have a chance. And with Raul Reese, Ryan Reese's son yeah, too. What's up, Fool? Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. I just want you to come 
With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.